And a very good evening to you. Welcome to the Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for tuning in. As you may know, every Tuesday on the Catholic View, I like to focus on education. And today to do that, we will be speaking to a representative from the St. Anthony's Education Center. That will be followed by Edu Week, which is about to start tomorrow. And then later on in the broadcast, we bring you something a little bit lighter. Perhaps not. We're talking about the Children's Sector Parliament, which took place today in Gauteng. Listen to Radio Veritas, 576 AM, 4HA. Thank you once again for being here with me. We begin with St. Anthony's Education Center. St. Anthony's Education Center in Reicher Park, Boxburg, comprises of the Franciscan Metric Project and St. Anthony's Skills Training Program. This year, St. Anthony's is celebrating its 50th anniversary. The center began in 1966 when Father Stan Brennan, the founder of St. Anthony's Education Center, saw a desperate need for education. Today, the Franciscan Metric Project offers tuition to grade 10, grade 11, and grade 12 learners in the science, commerce, or general stream. The school is registered with the Gauteng Department of Education as an independent school. To find out more about St. Anthony's Education Center as well as its 50th anniversary, I spoke to the project manager, Jimmy Tosago. St. Anthony's Education Center celebrating 50 years of existence. That's awesome stuff. Talk to us about this awesome center that is not just providing education, but also helping out with youth unemployment. Talk to us about its beginnings, the roots, where you started. Yeah, actually, St. Anthony's uh, started in in 1966 by Father Stan, the founder. Um, he started with, uh, you know, seeing a need in the community of Recher Park, and then it was called Stedenville. Um, Stedenville, that's where uh, everything started, and it's now called Recher Park. That's where we are situated. Um, in the past, uh, Father Stan saw a desperate need for the community to be educated. And um, he started, uh, he actually went to the mines to to get a... Um, a place to use. They just gave him one room, and that room was without any electricity, any water, and, and then he started in that uh, one room to to be what it is today, where it's hosting about 1,200 students per day. So um, what he did was he actually asked volunteers to come and maybe teach students without paying or without getting any pay, uh, volunteering just to teach students. And then he asked for funding uh, internationally and locally, um, and he, he managed to, to, do, to get the funding uh, so that he can develop the center. And uh, I must say that now it's one of the biggest centers in South Africa, and they're doing a lot of good job. 
Earlier on, just before we began with the interview, you mentioned that one of the key aspects of the uh, St. Anthony's Education Center is the library, that the yes. library is kind of like the heart of the entire project. Yes, actually, uh, the, the, the center started with 14 students, and um, they were allowed to just come and study in the library. Because of apartheid, uh, you know, Africans were not allowed to go into the Boxback Library. It was basically for whites only. And um, so Father Stan saw that need in the community. So from that library, you know, like uh, I remember at some stage, Father Stan uh, will just call students. You know, he will just stand outside the center and say, had interest into what people do, and then you'll call them to come and do the course, come and do a skill. Mm. So, um, and they started with adult education in 1966, so where people were coming to finish, you know, like uh, doing adult, uh, adult training. And um, basically a lot of them uh, will just come and finish their, their metric. And... Um, Students that have failed during political unrest, for an example, I mean, students could not even write their exams. So they were affected by that political unrest and they could not even go and write their exams. Mm -hmm. So those students were given the second chance at St. Anthony's and hence uh, Francis Franciscan Metric Project started in 1986. Amazing. Yes, and then students will come and then just finish their metric. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then in 1996, they started um, the skill section where they they doing the trades, you know, welding. I remember at some stage it was two weeks uh, when Father Stan started those years, mm -hmm. and now we're doing it for for three months. So, yeah, the the skill side of things. So that was uh, what Father Stan did. Mm -hmm. So the 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 what we wanted to do in honor of Father Stan, the founder, who had so interest into the. Um, disadvantaged communities so he, he we just wanted to rename the library during the 50th anniversary so those people that contributed like the sisters uh, of mercy because they were the one who were who were running the um they were running the the the, the adult education and in 1976 actually father stan um formalized it so it was now run by the government. So, yeah, those are some of the things that Father Stan did. Actually, has contributed a lot. The people that you take in, I believe it's people who have failed metric. Yes. And um, what criteria do you use? Yes, actually for the matriculants, for as long as they, they wrote metric, we can be able to accept them mm -hmm. uh, because they did write the national exams. So a lot of them, they come to us, you find that they got 16% in some subjects, they got 20% in some subjects. And it's amazing that uh, we turn around the whole situation. You find the students actually make, uh, passing their metrics. And our results for the last four years, it has been so good. Um, we received the uh, top award in the district and in the province mm -hmm. for the last four years. So like in 2014 last year, we got 89.1% um, uh, metric pass rate. And then last year we got 81%. So as I say, you know, the, the, the situation is we actually always want uh, 50%, I mean 100%. Yeah. But as you know, we're taking students that really, a lot of them um, have failed. Mm -hmm. So in grade 12. And then in grade 10, uh, you know, 
we start them, them from, from grade 10 and then 11 and then they get into metric because the FMP is doing that section where you do your grade 10, your grade 11 and your grade 12. Okay. But other than that, the metrics that have failed, um, their metric okay. elsewhere, um, as Father Stan has done in the past, we're giving them a second chance. Yeah. Those students, you know, in other schools, they are not even readmitted, but we will take them and, and, and make sure that they've got their metric. So basically what you're saying is uh, students who, are, um, who have done grade 9 are welcome to join, as in leave their schools and come to the center to do grade 10 onwards, or is it uh, repeats as well? No, if they've passed uh, grade 9, then they can be able to come and do grade 10 with us, and then they will again get into grade 11 and then, and then into grade 12. This year, of course, you are celebrating 50 years of existence. Yes. What's in store for this, this big celebration? Yeah, actually, this one we are very excited about. We wanted to actually do uh, this uh, last year, but we felt we must do it this year. So on the 26th of August 2016, we will be at St. Anthony's where we were going to invite all those people that took part. Uh, that's worked with Father Stan mm. for the last many years from the community, from the Sister of Mercy, from the the, 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 um, um, the brothers as well, because they also took part. Uh, I know Father also from the um, OFM, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of them, they, they contributed in building St. Anthony. So uh -huh. we really want to celebrate and, and, and I, I think a lot of people will learn from what Father Stan did for the center, mm -hmm. for the community of Recher Park, for Ekuruleni, for South Africa and for the world. We also know that it happens quite a lot, especially with Catholic organizations. When you have a charismatic leader, in this case of Father who started the center, and when he's no longer there, and you have a group of lay people that now take over the same project, continue with the legacy, you find that fundings tend to drop. Yes. Is that your case? Actually, at this point in time, we've experienced that because we had uh, a lot of international funding. Mm. And at that time, you'll find that uh, they will fund for a number of years. Maybe, yeah. you know, I know some, some, some companies have funded us for more than 10 years you know, under the leadership of Father Stan. And you find that uh, with the current economic climate, you find that a lot of donors, um, because of their finances, you find that they have to redirect and prioritize, restructure. Mm -hmm. And then we get affected uh, by that those kind of moves. So that's why I say funding, it's a, it's a key challenge for us at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And we will really like if they are you know, like Radio Veritas to help us with their networks, yeah. if there are people that can help us really to get funding, mm. um, being an NGO. It's really sometimes you operate under very, very uh, strict uh, budget, and it's difficult for us. We really, uh, people out there to help us if they can. We we'll really appreciate it. They said. And we also invite them to come and see what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anybody is welcome to donate. Doesn't it necessarily have to be institutions, organizations, but individuals are also welcome? Yes, the individual are more than welcome to, to, to donate. They will contact our uh, fundraising department, which mm -hmm. is led by Patricia. So if they go to our website, they can be able to revisit uh, visit, uh, Patricia. 
they can be able to contact her and then, you know, they can make contact with her and if they want to help us individually or organizations, we'll really appreciate it. I mean, even the radio stations that are there, I know mm. they're very, very powerful. Um, people like uh, Radio Veritas, I know you've got a lot of audience. Yeah. If they can be able to link us with their networks so that we can be able to get funding, that will be appreciated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, before I let you go, I, I must say I love uh, your mission, changing the lives of those who serve. And at the same time, your vision as well, it's quite interesting. You say here to unlock the potential of our students by empowering them with quality. Uh, you're looking at education. You're looking at Christian values. You're looking at integrity and respect, and the list goes on. But what I love the most is that we are in an era where youth unemployment has gone sky high, has really risen all over South Africa. And we also, that leads uh, youth to get involved with uh, drug abuse, uh, substance abuse, alcoholism, and you name it. So a center like St. Anthony's Education Center is obviously doing a great deed to a lot of youth because if you failed metric, you often feel despondent. You often feel like you are a failure. So this mm. is a place where you have a second chance. Yes. Actually, I just want to mention that the trend with our life skills, what they learn from the life skills, a lot of them, mm. uh, they come to us being, as you say, despondent. They don't know what to do. But being into the, our program, what they ended up doing, they realized that the level of education is so low and they want to go back and now, you know, they will go into the skill, uh, to the school division and want to finish their metric. You know, let's say they finish maybe with grade 10 at that time. Mm -hmm. Once they start because life skills teaching them self-awareness, uh, you know, how to relate with people. Because some of the students that we take, they are from all, uh, some of the homes, you know, like uh, Jobex Children's Home, um, Macy Heaven. We've got those students. And some of them, they were never exposed to actually communicate properly with an adult. And some of those students, after they get into the, uh, into the life skills class, you find that they completely change. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we are very proud, and that is rewarding for us to see that we can change the lives of those we serve. Hmm. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Well, Jimmy, those were all the questions I had for you. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, what I want to say is that uh, people can visit our website, um, which is www w.stanthonyscenter.co.za and also to mention that we 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 one of the centers that take part in international youth foundation uh, which initially um, it actually involved 12 countries and we're very fortunate st anthony's to to have uh, to be when they shortlisted we we were among the the people that were left so there's about six countries left and we had a, a meeting in, in the U.S. where they are emphasizing um, this program of helping the unemployed. So, so globally, they targeted 8,500 students, and then we participating as the center, and we did very well. So that's why we are saying there's a lot more. I might not even finish talking about St. Anthony's here today, but if the people can visit us, visit our website, contact our department, uh, we can be able to maybe give more information. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time once again. Thank you very much, Sheila, for having us. We really appreciate the opportunity.
And my thanks goes there once again to the project manager at St. Anthony's Education Center in Raicha Park, Mr. Jimmy Tosago, for talking to us about the center as well as the 50th anniversary celebrations. <laughs> You're still listening to The Catholic View and I'm Sheila Pirsch. Coming up next, we take a look at EduWeek. EduWeek, the most comprehensive education event on the sub-Saharan African calendar, starts on Wednesday, 29th to the 30th of June at the Gallagher Convention Center in Midrand. It is a free-to-attend event offering educators a comprehensive exhibition as well as over 200 hours of free workshops on everything from early childhood development to technology, basic education to higher learning. I spoke to Tanya Jackman, the event director of Edu Week. Uh, Edu Week now, we're very uh, delighted. It's our 10th anniversary. And Edu Week has, has sort of gone through a major transition over the last 10 years. We started off as a very small conference focusing on just certain areas of education. And since then, we've grown into what would some would say Sub-Saharan Africa's largest education event. And it really is a very broad and all-encompassing event. So if you are if you have a vested interest in anything from early childhood development, you know, homeschooling, whether it be around basic education, primary, secondary, up to vocational, college, uh, university, and even um, inclusive, it really has something on offer for you. And the whole purpose of EduWeek, I think fundamentally our vision really is for all educators, as I said, across the spectrum, whether you are working in a rural community or whether in an urban city. Um, whether you work in housing or whether you work in the Northern Province or Eastern Cape, you actually have access to a platform where you can come, network, um, engage with your peers, attend sessions which are very focused on giving hands-on, practical, tangible learning. Um, and, and, and it's all for free. So it's, it's free training. It's free access to a number of different educational suppliers from across uh, technology, publishing, and um, it's yeah, it, that's really basically the purpose of what we do at Week for. As you've mentioned, Tanya, EduWeek has been running for the past 10 years. Over this uh, period of 10 years, what have you seen or what have been the reaction of those that have attended in terms of education in South Africa? Well, we it's, it's really interesting that you asked that. We've, we've actually got a very loyal following. So this year I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the same um, faces that we welcomed to the show in the last three to four years. Um, and for me that really, to see their faces come back is testament that we, we put on something which really offers some valuable outcomes or valuable learnings. And then more excitingly as we kind of grow the event and as we grow uh, our sort of uh, network, as you say, within the industry, by partnering with new organizations like the Department of Basic Education, through SABC Education, through our commercial partners such as Intel and Microsoft and Pearson, we grow our network and that means we also encourage a lot of new um, visitors to come to the show. So every year um, we sort of, uh, we welcome all this whole mixture of different um, people from across South Africa and also we get is coming from Africa as well, which is fantastic for us, and that's really where our vision lies, that we want to ensure that it actually becomes a big, 
focus point for southern Africa to be able to talk about critical issues going on in education. And generally the feeling everyone is has an exceptional time when they come to the show. It's a very interactive, very social uh, event. You know, it's more than just an exhibition. It's more than just a conference. It really is that big networking platform where discussions uh, and, and, and theories, methodologies can be really challenged and, and new ideas can come out and, and be implemented once they've, once they've left the show. So it's, uh, I think a lot of uh, positivity comes from people who attend the show. Now, Edge Week 2016 is taking place over a period of two days. Can you give us the outline of this workshop? What can people expect throughout the two days workshop? Very simply, what they can expect to see, we would have a large exhibition platform where we have 150 or over educational suppliers from across the education spectrum. As I said, there's a huge focus on technology. So we have the largest gathering of technology suppliers being Intel, Microsoft, Dell, Lenovo. Uh, the list goes on. So if you've got a real interest in technology, current, new, and future, then this is a really great platform for you to come and really get hands-on engagement with the different devices and solutions that are on offer. But we also expand into school supplies, um, stationery, publishing, textbooks. Uh, we also have educational toys, which for us was a really big drive this year because we wanted to focus a lot more on ECD, early childhood development and foundation phase. And a huge area of that and product-wise is, is educational toys to stimulate young minds in the first thousand days of their learning. So there's the exhibition where they can meet the innovators themselves and, and get some real one-on-one -on -one training, ask some questions and get some really good answers. Then we have five different uh, conference tracks, if you like. Each conference track focuses on a very different part of the industry. So early childhood development is a full two-day program running across the event. Again, the same for basic education, vocational and higher education, inclusive education, and then, of course, again, technology. So there's an awful lot going on. So over and above all of that, we have a number of different very, as I said, engaging interactive feature areas where really resonating for us, we have a very important theme this year, which is education for sustainable development. So weaved in and out of the entire makeup of the show, we've got areas which focus on uh, sustainability and how to become more sustainable in your thinking making us more aware of just how impactful education can be in the broader sense and how it can really make huge impactful changes when it comes to reducing poverty or ending nutrition and hunger. So there's a lot of learnings across uh, sustainability as well. And then there's some really exciting breakaway sessions which focus on very specific things such as we have a robotics session um, where you can actually, as a teacher and principal, build, an uh, build a robot yourself. So there's a lot going on. Tanya, I see that this is taking place at the Gallagher Convention Center. And uh, any opportunities for people in other provinces also to experience uh, such a workshop? Yes, well, I think one of our long-term plans is to actually, um, you know, increase the level of engagement that EduWeek can have. We tried to build on this particular platform here to make it as encourageable for people to come from all over South Africa, as I said, and from Africa. Um, but what we would like to do in the future is maybe take more smaller uh, workshop uh, ideas and do roadshows across maybe the different provinces. And we also have a very uh, 
exciting online platform that we launched this year called the EduWeek Blog, and that's a real learning sharing of problems and opportunities, ideas, very creative, and it's the educators who feed into that and actually share best practice with each other, and we help stimulate that conversation. So anyone, no matter where they are in South Africa, Africa, or even the world, can log into that blog and actually see some of the articles that have been written and, and, and respond with their own with their own thoughts and ideas. Fantastic. Tanya, thank you so much for your time and all of the best with the workshop. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And I'd like to thank Tanya Jackman, the event director of EduWeek, which is starting tomorrow, Wednesday the 29th, up until the 30th of June. And it's taking place at the Gallagher Convention Center in Midrand. Remember, entrance is free. This Tuesday, the 28th of June, the Gauteng Provincial Legislature, otherwise known as GPL, hosted the 2016 Children's Sector Parliament, which took place in Protea, South Soweto. I spoke to the Gauteng Legislature Honorable Chairperson of Committees, Ms. Nomantun Komo Raleoko, about the purpose of the Children's Sector Parliament. <music> was about the Children's Sector Parliament. I believe it took place today. How long has this been going on? It has been going on now for the second, for the third term. Because earlier we started with a dialogue, first with young children. Then now we moved from being a dialogue to, to a sector parliament. And it's one of the best things that we think we've done as the institution of bringing young people together in one room. Because we had about thousand young people today. Some were debating as members of parliament, and some were just listening and participating. But it was so interesting because remember where we come from, the background of young people in South Africa. And I think now these young ones are not like you and me, because before we wouldn't even be able to speak up their mind and talk about issues of promoting social cohesion as young people. But these ones, even they know even the legislative processes of our country. I think as the institution, we need to have more of these sector parliaments because we are able to raise awareness about the, what government should be doing to the communities out there, what will be done by young people to better the lives of the people. When they are at our age, they are becoming more elder and take full responsibility. It was so amazing the way that they talk even about the elections, because we had one topic that they were talking about elections, how we as public representatives try to ignore sometimes some of the critical things that we should address and will only wait towards the end of the term when we go for elections. And it was so interesting when we hear that to a 15 or 14-year-old eloquently speaking about the expectations that the communities um, need out there from us. So really you have missed because you are not with us, but I know that you have been talking about our, um, our, our sector parliament on air so that people are aware of what we are doing as the institution. And we really appreciate that and that partnership with you. What age group are we looking at? What were the ages, so to speak? You just mentioned somewhere 16 and 14. We started, yes, we started from the age of 10 up to the age of 18. That, that, that's our, that was our target group. And what we do, we go to regions, all the five regions of Gauteng. Then we'll have workshops first in each area. Maybe we'll gather about 20, I'm sorry, not 20, 100 to 200 young people. Then out of that, we'll able to pick up those that we believe that 
they are able to will be able to be part of the debate. And even amongst themselves, then we'll group them again and then we'll pick up the one that we believe that can be the speaker, the deputy speaker and the presiding officers in that including your sergeant at arms, because they, they play that role. But the interesting thing is that out of the recommendations that those young people give us, because they, they, they we take the recommendations, MEC for Education in Gauteng was present, Mr. Panyazali Sufi. MEC for Social Development was present too, Nandimaya Tulakosa. Both of those MECs, things that were related to their department, already they are aware of the expectations of young people out there. In fact, I remember at some stage I was saying to them, we are happy that you are here because we are mobilizing these young people for you so that they are, you, are, you, are, you find them sitting with us today and the schools are closed, but we are making them busy by having this sector parliament because we are removing them from drugs. We are removing them from the wrong things that will happen to them. I was a bit touched again during the debate when they were debating about some issues of abuse that they are experiencing as young children. Uh, in fact, it was a bit touchy to hear them saying that they need to be protected by the government as young people of South Africa. So those are the things that I wish if we can have more money, we can do them uh, quite often so that we are able to reach out to a number of young people. Now you mentioned that these children surprise you by even talking about the upcoming elections. Now with so much turmoil taking place in South Africa, we're looking at the violent protests, we're looking at the drug abuse as well, especially amongst young people. What was uh, the key issues that were brought up by the young people that they wish the government could actually uh, make a change in, when it, especially now with elections coming up? In fact, during the debate they were saying that we must not use them we must not use them as the voting folders. We must not use them to instigate violence in the communities. We must go to the communities and correct the issues of service delivery that is happening. And we must make sure that they are not being used by people who need houses from government to close their schools. We must not ban schools. We must not ban libraries. So you can see that they, they understand what they're talking about. That how to use them when they want to raise their dissatisfaction with government. And they were saying, no, no, no. For them, it's a no, no, no. They still need libraries. They still need schools. And government must correct those things so that in future, those are not the things that they become the target. If anybody wants to destroy any property, they run away and they run and destroy the, the school or a, or, or a library or burn the library. Now, following today's session, what was uh, the last remarks from government after listening to the children? The last remark from government is that, yes, we agree that there's so much that we need to do, but we will definitely work pound with pound with them. Because some of the things that they are raising, they are tender ages, they are, but those are the valid points that we expect them to be told and to correct them. And I think we'll take full responsibility of ensuring that we exempt them from all the wrongs that are happening in our country. We need to protect them as our young children. And we, we, we want them, because at some stage, MEC was saying, you want to see them moving away even from doing, um, because you are saying, we want, we, want, we want to modernize the environment where they are, because that's the only way that they will listen to us. Not to, as much as we can shift away from our cultures, from other things, but we must always preach modernization to, to them because that's what they expect from us. Yeah. Honorable Chairperson of Committees, uh, thank you so much for your time. Any last remarks before I let you go? Thank you so much, my dear. The, the, the only thing I can say is that thank you for promoting us as the Houting Legislature because 
in most cases, people don't know what is the institutional about, what we are doing as the Gauteng legislature, but through your, relation, through your relationship and your partnership as the institution, we know that will go a long way. People will understand what, is the, what we expect, what we are doing here, and what are the expectations of government, of communities out there. And I think we need to strengthen again uh, the civic edu- education to our communities, and we'll be able to do that civic education if we're in partnership with you as a station. This has been your Tuesday's edition of Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Remember, I'll only be back next week, Tuesday, at the same time. Until then, thank you so much for listening. God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirsch.